everyone had an enjoyable lunch, and uh, I'm back here at the microphone. Uh, getting ready, we're getting ready for our question period, question and answer period. Uh, but before we do that, I want to announce the topic for next week. It's pricing carbon dioxide. How to bell the carbon cat? It's a question. And the speaker is uh, Dr. Jack Minst uh, from the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary. So that um, happens at the regular time on Thursday next week at noon here, but there, he's also making a presentation at the Dr. Foster James Penny Building, uh, downtown Lethbridge on 5th Street, 324 5th Street, at 7 o'clock on Wednesday, November 30th, so the evening before the regular SACPA session. Sounds interesting? I encourage you to take it in. So, um, you can also find other upcoming sessions. Our program committee's been doing a great job of keeping ahead of it, and uh, there is a list well ahead of, present of uh, future presentations. And you can uh, hear all the sessions in audio and as podcast at the website, www.sacpaw.ca. If you have any suggestions for topics, uh, please put them in the uh, box in the lobby or any other comments about what uh, your experience with SACPA. So you'll see there's a microphone, and we've got someone at the microphone already for the questioner. Uh, again, it's the topic. Um, it, our presenter is Kathleen Shepard, and she's, uh, the topic is um, Lethbridge's trashy secret, making the case for waste reduction. So please keep your comments, your questions brief. State your name, and um, Kathleen will do her best to answer the questions or comments that you have. Hi, my name is Peter Beal, and uh, am I not on? <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My name is Peter Beal. I like your presentation, but one of the things I noticed is that you mentioned that the blue box program. I'm in favor of both blue boxes and green boxes being handled by the city. You know, that it's you said it's privatized. Uh, so the first thing I want to know is I know the city council voted down the blue box program. What I want to know is do any of the councillors have any vested interest? in the private companies that are running this blue box program? Oh, <laughs> uh, you'd have to ask them, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, and and it, it, it just to, so we don't get a false impression, it's not that it's been privatized, it's that there are uh, three private businesses that have sort of taken the opportunity to fill the gap. Uh, and so they offer curbside pickup uh, at, for both residences and businesses. Hello, Larry Alfred's my name. Thank you, Kathleen, for the presentation. I had the, uh, the pleasure to tour the recycling facility at the Okotoks landfill a number of years ago. I don't know if it's still in existence, but it was, uh, I think it was run by charitable organizations who made a profit on kind of picking through some of the things that would ordinarily be piled in the dump 
furniture, chairs, appliances, things that could be used, bicycles, and doing a very good job of finding a new home for them and repurposing them. I notice uh, at the times that I take household stuff to the Lethbridge dump that there is an incredible amount of that kind of thing. Is there an opportunity there or an experience that you might comment on in that area? I mean, I think the Okotoks example is a really interesting one. And as you say, they have um, partnered with a, a charitable organization um, from the local community and they basically go through everything that comes into the landfill that could have a secondary use uh, and then they repurpose it and sell it. Uh, and they have turned that into uh, a half million dollar business doing that. Uh, it's a substantial uh, thing and the um, their warehouse or whatever you want to call it uh, has sort of become a, a, a destination for people who seek out those kinds of uh, gently used items, shall we say. Uh, so yeah, I think that there's a model there that that is really interesting. Uh, how that fits into kind of the city's vision for the future management of our waste and recycling center, um, I think would be something that you'd have to kind of take up with them and their and their planning. Uh, many, many landfills have um, free store models where you can bring items that uh, you no longer want that um, still have some, some use left in them and people can just take them away for free. Uh, in Lethbridge we have the uh, reuse rendezvous that we, that Environment Lethbridge now hosts uh, every September, which is basically a, a free cycling event that goes on throughout the city. So you can put things out in front of your, uh, your house that you no longer want and people can come and, and take whatever they would like. So there's a number of different, different models there for sure. Uh, very good uh, talk, uh, Kathleen. Uh, Art Sanford is my name. Question I have is, um, and this is a question I asked 20 years ago when I was on city council and got kind of a nebulous answer, is I live in a condo now for the past 22 years and we've been recycling plastic, glass, everything. What happens to the products? When I asked that at city council, they finally said, well, glass, we, we, we don't know what to do with it, so we're burying it out in, mid, in central BC and we're gonna mine it at a later date. So can you tell us what is going on with the product we are recycling, where they're going? Well, I, I hope I can give you a less nebulous answer. <laughs> this, this is not my area of expertise in terms of how the commodities are um, distributed. I do know that um, the, the materials that go for recycling are not being buried in the landfill and that kind of thing. They are actually being recycled. Uh, having said that, the profit margins differ for different materials. So glass is notoriously low profit um, and sometimes uh, I think almost doesn't break even. Uh, so there's, there's a wide variation and there's also a wide variation in terms of where the markets are for the different products. Um, I do know that um, a number of products get shipped overseas to places like China and, and that kind of thing. So it's sort of a um, really large commodity stream that I don't know all the specific details about. Hello, my name is Darlene McLean. This is just a clarification question. Um, I know that there is a huge waste and recycling services department at Lethbridge City Hall, and a number of people there um, you, um, educate and through social media and the newspaper and here and there and everywhere. And so we pay, so as a taxpayer of Lethbridge, we pay for their services and their knowledge. And then, so then, and 
so then we gave Environment Lethbridge $300,000, and you guys seem to be telling us the same thing that they're already telling us from the Waste and Recycling Department right at City Hall. But is there something I don't see? What is the difference? It seems like we're duplicating and paying for the same knowledge and service twice. So is there something that I don't get? So um, a number of the uh, programs that, that City Hall used to deliver um, have been transferred to Environment Lethbridge. Uh, so for example, the city used to host Reuse Rendezvous and we now host that event. Uh, same for things like Environment Week, the city used to le lead those initiatives and we've taken over the lead on those events. Uh, so, so it so it may look like there's some duplication there, but, but it's sort of a transition to, to shift things separately. Thank you. Hi, Kathleen. Terry Shellington. Uh, thank you for a really good presentation. Um, at the beginning of your presentation, you made reference in the graft material to um, uh, Nova Scotia and the record it has. And I, I didn't hear you come back to that, at least not explicitly. What is it that Nova Scotia is doing that Alberta and Lethbridge are not? Uh, I think part of it is... Um Part of it is longevity. They have had a program uh, in places like Halifax for many, many years. Uh, and part of it is that they're very aggressive. So I, I don't know if they're still doing it this way, but uh, certainly early on in their, um, in their program, if you, they would basically inspect your garbage. And if you had recycle, recyclables in your garbage, they would show up your, at your door and give you an education session about how to recycle properly. So they had basically recycling rangers who would go around through the city. So after this recycling ranger shows up at your door, uh, you have a greater incentive to not have them show up again because the next time they show up, they're going to ticket you. Um, so they were very aggressive in terms of how they set up their program, and I think that has carried through. Uh, and shows in their numbers for sure. I'm, I'm not sure I'd necessarily recommend that approach, but that's that's where they went. Yeah. Hi, Kathleen. Uh, I'm Judy Shepard. Um, um, I'm wondering about apartment buildings, condo buildings, um, seniors' lodges, and seniors' care facilities. Are those being included in the um, institutional waste reduction? They are. Um, they, they are handled separately from the other residential uh, waste because they typically have private collection uh, different than a residential pickup would have. Yep. Hi, Kathleen. I'm Henning Mundell. My question, comment that I want you to comment on <laughs> relates to the uh, reuse aspect. Hmm. Uh, you gave an example about fixing uh, TV that's all nice and good. Many times nowadays, when we want a small part, we have to buy the whole widget <laughs> sealed in plastic, which is impossible to open without cutting, plastic which needs to be recycled and is very difficult. So we don't have, A, we can't buy the individual parts, and B, we don't have the tradespeople around that uh, can repair things if we are not, if we don't have two left thumbs, I'm left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real problem for sure. Um, it is not as easy to get things repaired as it used to be or to do it yourself. Um, having said that, uh, part of the answer to that is to um, be, be conscious in your, your purchasing decisions. There's a really uh, great website out of 
the UK uh, called Buy Me Once. And what they have done is they have sourced uh, products in a whole different range, everything from kitchen pots and pans to clothing to all sorts of things in between that they have determined have an extended lifespan that um, won't need repair and replacement and things like that. Uh, there are also um, cor certain corporate initiatives. Uh, Patagonia is a great example of a, con a company that produces outdoor wear where they will repair items for you. Uh, if, if you buy an item and it wears out, they'll repair it for you. Uh, so there are things out there. It doesn't cover everything. It's things like Things that require widgets are challenging, for sure. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kathleen. My name is Frances Schultz. Um, I'm still appalled that we can't get curbside recycling in Lethbridge, but nonetheless, uh, this relates to Nova Scotia. If, if they have uh, rangers checking your garbage, they m do they have curbside recycling there then? Yes, and, and as I say, I don't know if they still have the rangers, but when they brought the, uh, their curbside recycling program in, that was how they um, sort of took that extra step to, to educate and to get uh, higher levels of compliance, for sure. Yeah. My name is Van Christou. Uh, thank you, Kathleen, for uh, focusing on our, uh, giving us a little hope uh, that we won't follow our nest completely and get, get, get it to totally out of control. A couple of questions. Um, first of all, you, you, I was alarmed at the amount of food waste that you announced that uh, we're going through. And uh, I'm sure that's happening in all our homes because of our affluence. But it, have you any uh, records on how much is being wasted by companies by overbuying or buying incorrectly, uh, Safeways and Walmart and all the rest of them? That's the first question. The second question is, how effective or how good uh, is putting food down a garburetor? Uh, so for the for the food waste, um, this goes back again to the um, the research that McLean's Magazine did for their profile. Uh, so it sort of depends um, where you want to break things out. It's about half of it is uh, well less than half, I guess. 40% looking at the math here uh, is about it comes from the produ production chain in in food uh, so farms grocery stores processing uh, and then there's a bit for restaurants and hotels and and a few other odds and ends um, one of the things that's interesting from the farm perspective is the farms are under real pressure to grow perfect produce and so you know the perfectly round apple the perfectly straight zucchini the all that kind of thing and they will self-select um, and, and high grade anything that's not perfect out and leave it to rot. Um, so we're starting to see grocery stores, Save on Foods has just launched and it, what they're calling their Misfits initiative, where you can go in and buy the imperfect fruit and vegetable for a reduced price. So sort of closing the loop a little bit on, on that piece. Uh, regarding garburetors, um, garbur the issue with garburetors is that they're really hard on the water treatment plant. Um, the water treatment plant isn't really designed to screen I mean, it does, but it, it, it's, it's designed to screen out other things from our water. Uh, so when we're putting uh, food waste into our wastewater stream, it's, it's not beneficial in that regard. Thanks a lot, Kathleen. Uh, Mary Shellington here. Uh, I, I'm quite proud to say that I was on the 
council when you came on staff. And so we made a good choice. <laughs> I think others would agree. Uh, my, I have two questions uh, and an observation uh, uh, about appliances, for instance. Uh, this year, where our Maytag washer is 46 years old and still working. However, if I was to turn around and buy a new Maytag, they're saying 10 to 12 years. So uh, there's, we need to be putting some pressure on some of our companies to do something about that. Uh, so my question, one of my questions is, we have not recycled our, our um, uh, lawn clippings in the way that maybe we could. Is, so my question is, is there a place where we can take it? And so that's the first question. The second question, and we had talked before the presentation about composting, and uh, I, I wonder if you can give us some more ideas about how we, where we find composting containers or build them or whatever, some information about that, so I don't have to feel so guilty throwing my stuff in the garbage. <laughs> um. So on the compost uh, side of things, the city provides uh, composters uh, more or less at cost, I believe. I think it's $45 for a composter. Uh, and my understanding is you can phone them up and they will deliver the composter to your door. Uh, and they also have the accessories and, and things like that. So that's an easy easy thing for the Can you remind me what your first question was? Sorry. Oh, the lawn clippings. Uh, so the best thing to do with your lawn clippings is to leave them on your lawn. <laughs> um, they provide good fertilizer and resources for, for your lawn. Um, if, if you're desperately opposed to doing that, uh, you can take them to the um, recycling depots during the summer and fall months. They have a collection space at those depots for uh, yard and lawn waste. Hi, thank you, Kathleen, for uh, your presentation and your knowledge. I'm Ariana, and I just kind of had a question about uh, a really hot topic, seems like kind of uh, some things we have like implemented, and curbside recycling is coming up a lot, which I know isn't necessarily like the topic. But um, my question is, is it kind of harmful to have like kind of like a more privatized industry kind of happening than it is helpful um, when overarching, like we do want to make um, as many outlets as possible for recycling and for helping the public be uh, responsible as well. Like I, I really agree with like the programs um, with the business accountability and stuff like that. But I think a lot of people do want to participate if it's easier. And do you think it's dangerous to kind of have like this more privatized industry going on? I, I think anything that um, increases the convenience for people is probably likely to increase recycling rates. Um, and so I don't know if I'd say that it's it, it's dangerous. It's it's what we have in terms of curbside pickup in Lethbridge at the moment. Uh, so it, it doesn't cover the entire city by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but uh, it's kind of it's kind of where we're at. Um, and I, I think there's lots of options in terms of models, whether it's a public-private sort of partnerships or, or those kind of things. And uh, it's kind of up to the city staff to figure that out and put forward the best option. Douglas Mitchell. Catherine, uh, thank you for your presentation. There are two things that really alarm me. One is the biogas facility that, as you mentioned, is grossly underutilized. The other thing is, and I live in a condo, disposal of organic waste. We can compost a little, but not mm -hmm. all. And uh, uh, 
The question I would have is, is there any way that we can, or is there any company that would take, say, a, a container of uh, organic waste from our condo once a week mm -hmm. to the biogas facility? Can you answer that? Can you tell me? Well, um, I don't know of any at this particular moment, but I do understand that um, at least one of the private curbside recycling companies is investigating whether they can include that option in their services. So they're looking at possibly doing that coming this spring as an option, which would... I forgot too about the expansion of the landfill. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling rank because I have a written question close, so you'll have to wait. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. I think you can stand a little while longer. Okay, this was a written question. Kathleen stated that the private curbside recyclers are expensive. What is she comparing this to? If the city was to have offered curbside recycling, what would have been the cost to the resident? And what does the private curbside recycler charge their clients? So the private um, companies uh, vary a little bit in their rates. Uh, it works out uh, if you calculate it, uh, if you do a, a six-month agreement, which I think is their longest agreement, uh, and then you work it out by month, it works out to between $12 and $15 per month. Um, for I think that's for every every two weeks, uh, and then there's a, some of them have a weekly pickup option as well. Uh, compared to the the proposal that went to City Council, um, I believe it, it was a complicated proposal because it had some things going sort of in and out in terms of, of offsets. I believe the net cost was somewhere around seven or eight dollars. Uh, so the, the private option uh, is is more than that. I, just to add on that though, um, one thing with the private option is that um, the companies are currently fairly small, so they're not able to take advantage of economies of scale in the same way that the city would be able to. Yeah. So when you said um, it's expensive, you were comparing it to what would happen to with... A, to municipal costs. To yeah. municipal costs, okay. Thank you. My name is Klaus Jericho. Catherine, you're really very good, you know. You're really very good. Uh, uh, I um, I just wonder, I don't like the word waste. I think we should replace it with resource. So then we should call it the landfill, we should call it the resource storage. What do you think? <laughs> I, my only issue with that is that that then implies that we're saving it for something, kind of like a big waste piggy bank, um, which may not be the approach that we quite want to take either. <laughs> Chris Spearman. <laughs> so, uh, I think there have been some significant improvements in some areas, and I think the ICI sector w is one where there's been some progress. And I think there there have been some comments about what goes to the biogas plant, and it, maybe you could clarify that. But generally, some of our better performing customers, and you could confirm this, have been our food stores and others who are providing a significant source to the biogas plant. So in Lethbridge, we have Canada's largest biogas plant. 
it wouldn't it wouldn't be uh, functioning and operating at all if we didn't have those companies like Walmart and like Safeway, uh, Sobeys, uh, contributing their food waste to the plant to mix with the manure and the animal parts. So uh, my understanding is the biogas plant is not woefully underutilized. It, when I talk to the operators, it's operating between about 60 and 70% capacity, which isn't bad, not perfect, but there is opportunity for improvement. Uh, is your understanding the same? That uh, I would agree with that, and um, I think it was someone else who used woefully underutilized, <laughs> just to clarify. I, I agree with you. I think it's at about two-thirds capacity, um, which presents an opportunity for additional um, organics to be collected and diverted to that facility, uh, which is a unique opportunity a lot of communities don't have that resource. Um, I know that I don't know the specific details of all the different grocery stores and that kind of thing that they've connected with in terms of diverting uh, that leftover retail um, food waste, but I know that they have um, done a good job at reaching out and, and making that available. And it's win-win. It's um, they do charge a tipping fee, but their tipping fee is less than the tipping fee that's charged at the landfill. So um, if you're a large grocery store that just makes economic sense to take it to the biogas facility. Yeah. And my second question is a lot of that organic material you pointed out in your presentation, 48% of what's going into our landfill is, uh, is from organics. But there are communities in Alberta where zero goes into the landfill. Banff for one. Hmm. Uh, so Banff, because of its location next to the mountains, uh, cannot have any food waste whatsoever going into the garbage streams. So everything's collected from residences and from commercial uh, businesses, and it's all recycled through the uh, wastewater treatment plant mm -hmm. and becomes fertilizer. The technology's 20 to 30 years old. This is new stuff. So uh, if, if there's a will, that type, that type of diversion could occur here in Lethbridge. Mm -hmm. yeah. Perhaps we need more bears. Perhaps that would... <laughs> Good. That would solve the problem. <laughs> Uh, just, uh, Bev, well, we have two questioners, and those will be the last two questions. Oh, I thought you were going to read one. Bev Mundell-Atherstone, thank you so much. Kathleen, seems like you're doing a wonderful job. Okay, um, do you know that there was a cogeneration plant at the Lethbridge Regional Hospital in the past, and all the waste from the hospital went into that and was burned and then provided electricity back to the hospital? So that is no longer there. So that is waste um, where we had the furnace there and it's not being used. In regard to compost, um, I'm just wondering why can't we have a composting facility right out at the dump where people could bring things to be composted, uh, especially in regard to a previous questioner's uh, comments that they can't do their composting because they're living in a high-rise building. So that's question one. And the second question is in regard to businesses in Lethbridge. <clears throat> I noticed a whole bunch of businesses do not recycle. Um, I won't mention who they are, but I bet if you go into any of your normal businesses and you ask if they recycle, they'll say no. So uh, when we, we had, our daughter lives in Germany, and in Germany they, they don't have the uh, recycle rangers. They just simply look at your pocketbook and they say, you can have so many bags, and the bags can be this size, 
and that's for your garbage mm -hmm. per week or per every two weeks. Anything beyond that, you have to pay for another bag. Mm -hmm. And that cuts down on the, re on the uh, waste and really encourages recycling. So a question about composting, and uh, can we look at putting a price on garbage? So to answer your second question first, um, the City of Lethbridge does offer two cart sizes uh, for your residential garbage pickup. There's a large size and a small size. Uh, if you have the small size, your monthly garbage bill is less than if you have the large size. So it's not quite the same as the um, deliberate you have to pay extra for extra bags model, which is quite common uh, in a number of, of cities as well, where you're much more restricted in terms of the size of your garbage receptacle and how often you can put it out. And so if you exceed that, then you have to get a sticker or whatever. Um, the composting piece, um, I think, it's a bit of a complicated uh, thing in terms of residential drop-off. I don't know of any models where um, sort of landfills have a facility to do food waste drop-off. Uh, a number, including Lethbridge, have drop-offs for yard waste and, and things like that. The food waste gets a, a little bit tricky um, in, unless you have a big um, actual composting device. Otherwise, you've just got a giant mountain of food waste that is going to take forever to decompose. So um, it's not quite as easy as just providing the drop-off facility. Thank you, Kathleen. My name is Beth Moyer. So I have um, just a comment that when we were in, well, comment and a question. When we were in Nova Scotia a couple, number of years ago, within the past 10 years, they actually had the recycling even at campgrounds. Hmm. And the other, actually, Bev sort of addressed this question with, uh, with uh, Germany, but in, uh, is it in Abbotsford or somewhere where they also weigh the garbage hmm. and that you then have to pay extra if you go over? There, there are a number of um, systems that allow <laughs> for weighing of garbage, and it, it gets a little bit technical because it goes to the equipment that you have to have in mm. order to pick up the garbage bins and um, how sensitive they are and, and how that, that all works. So Lethbridge doesn't have the capacity to implement that specific program at this point. And then just um, a question about, I mean, we've been talking about um, reusing and repairing, but often it's impossible to repair because just the way uh, items are built these days, mm -hmm. made these days, often for obsolescence. Is there any way that our provincial and federal and maybe local governments could put pressure on, I don't know, manufacturers to stop overpackaging and creating things that can be repaired? I think the short answer is is yes, whether they find it politically feasible or not uh, is a different question. Uh, we were talking about this uh, over over dinner, and the example I gave was in France, where um, a, a couple of years ago they passed a law where all the packaging was the responsibility of the retailer. And so people were going into stores, and they were buying their item, and they were unpackaging it at the door and just throwing their packaging. And, and in a very short period of time, the retailers were phoning up the manufacturers and saying, you need to do something about your packaging, because um, we don't want it anymore. Uh, so those, those kind of things, um, yeah, they, they spark, can spark really sudden change, whether there's sort of, I mean, that would have to be a, uh, that, that's not a City of Lethbridge initiative, that's a, a provincial or national initiative. Um, and I, I honestly don't think that that's being discussed by anybody I know about, for sure, but. Well, very good questions coming from the audience, and 